with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no, I have no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fanholes Podcast, a very scary and frightful podcast this evening. We're here to kick off another Fanholes Fright Fest. Yes, we had one back in 2015, and we often do Halloween episodes, and sometimes I stamp on the Fright Fest logo, but strictly speaking, this will be the second Fanholes Fright Fest, and we're going to strive to bring you all kinds of Halloween-y goodness throughout the month. And to start off with, this is Derek, Derek WC, by the way, and I'm joined by two of my fellow frightening Fanholes. Why don't you guys... Give a shout out and let everybody know who's here this evening. This is Justin, and I am already dead. Hey guys, this is Tony. I am a horrible monster with terrible, terrible desires, and I can make you do anything I want, but I also fight crime. Yeah, so we're actually here to talk about two police procedurals called Lucifer and iZombie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, the, basically, I think the gist of this was that uh, Justin is a big fan of the TV series iZombie, which, of course, focuses on the zombie culture and takes a unique spin on the whole, you know, zombie genre and everything. And that's, a, you know, a weekly TV series. And it's based on a DC slash Vertigo comic book. And Tony is a big fan of the TV series Lucifer, which is basically following the exploits of the devil in Los Angeles and is also a loosely adapted DC slash Vertigo comic book property. So, yeah, so this is kind of a, a compare contrast from two uh, opposing fanboys on their respective franchises and everything. And so what we what we decided was we were going to have Tony watch the pilot for iZombie, and we were going to have Justin watch the pilot for Lucifer. And then we were just going to kind of wax poetic about the two different franchises and talk about them and everything. Like, I know, I know, Justin, you said you... You had seen it previously, but it just didn't grab you. And I know Tony kind of went balls deep into it. I mean, as far as I know, you're you're a faithful, almost religious, dare I say, viewer of Lucifer. So, so do you guys want to get into that? Like how you kind of came across the show and maybe what your previous experience with the show was? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I am a Satanist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I was a big fan of the uh, miniseries put out during the Sandman years when uh, Vertigo was really in his heyday in the 90s. And I, I kind of liked how that character was portrayed. He was a very uh, charming, affable liar, but he was also very much a monster. He was not like, you know, the kind of person you want to hang out with. Unless he tells you to, then you're like, yeah, I kind of want to hang out with you. And then, like, you know, I saw the pilot, you know, just from memory, I was like, hey, I'll check it out. And, like, the lead is is charming. He is so charming. And it's like, it's perfect casting as far as that goes. And it's a very slickly produced show. Um, probably one of the things that most people would either gripe about or love, I love it, is it's very slick. It's very, like, a lot of people would say that, like, Lucifer is too much of a man as in that, like, you know, he gets the women and he's like handsome and he's got his own nightclub and he solves crime. 
But the thing is, the biggest concept of the series, and after you watch the pilot, if you keep watching it, you'll get to see this. He is he is a victim of malaise. He he ruled hell. Got tired of it. He was bored. And then he came to Los Angeles and he's more or less drowning his boredom and, and feeling like he has no purpose and, you know, women and drinking and, and, you know, debauchery, just being, you know, being the devil. But then he finds this detective, you know, through a course of events where, uh, you know, something happens to him and, you know, he starts to have, you know, genuine conflict within him is like, is he like, is like, am I really evil? And yeah, he's pretty much evil, but there is a humanity to him. And he even he's disgusted by it sometimes, and then sometimes he tries to embrace it. He doesn't know what he wants. So I think that makes him a complex character. And uh, I got that from the pilot. And I know how it would be hard to get that from the pilot because it does pack a lot of stuff in. However, I, I mean, you know, it, it just really got me by the balls. Like you said, balls deep. I'm actually very annoyed that, like, the season was cut short uh, this year because – Apparently the last four episodes are going to be next year for season three. And I'm like, oh, come on. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had a, a, a familiarness with him when he was, you know, Lucifer Morningstar and Sandman. He does come off that way in this uh, series, but I know the, the, the current comic is much more like he is in the, in the TV show. So, but uh, yeah, it, it's just, you know, something I really enjoyed and I would love to go into the details. So for me, this, this was one of um, several TV pilots that were leaked. I believe in fall of 2015, and so I sat down and watched a couple of these shows. One of the shows um, leaked was the pilot for Lucifer, and I thought, okay, cool. I'm, I'm familiar with the character as he appears in Sandman. I never read his spinoff series because it wasn't written by Neil Gaiman, and I just never got around to it. But anyway, I watched the leaked version, and it just didn't grab me. And I, I know Tony is a fan of the series, and he would, you know, you know, uh, he would occasionally talk about it. And, that's kind of was the impetus for this show, you know, like he he's a big fan of Lucifer. I'm a biggest fan of iZombie, and we thought we'd try to, like, get each other interested in our respective shows. And I did sit down and I rewatched the pilot. I'll be honest, Tony, like it, it still it still doesn't quite grab me, but there are things in it that I'm curious about. Like, well, let me get the bad stuff out of the way. The show feels like it could have been put together or pitched like in the 80s it's like we've got the devil who's like a wise ass and he's cracking jokes and he gets the ladies and he's teamed up with the hot lady detective and they solve crime i'm like that the concept feels like it's an 80s show you're, and you're like isn't, isn't this just tj hooker <laughs> <laughs> i love tj hooker <laughs> uh, maybe it's just like you know the 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 character was conceived like late eighties, early nineties. Maybe that's why I'm feeling that. But it it just feels like it's something that could have been produced like in the eighties or nineties or something. But all the like jokes and things were like I don't know. They just kind of like retiring and made me roll my eyes. Where they're like, you know, what's your name? And he's like Lucifer Morningstar. And they're like, is that your name? And he's like, God given. And I was just like, ah, geez. I just like was rolling my eyes. And there there were a lot of like those kind of like cheesy, like easy jokes. And I was like, oh, man, come on. You got to bet the delivery is pretty good. He's a good actor. I, yeah, you're right. I I can't fault the, the actor in this. Like, I think he's really great. Like I said, there are some ideas that I thought were really interesting, but they just never quite like made me like want to keep watching the series like so the idea that lucifer can kind of like make people say their desires or bring them forward and he could not do this with um uh chloe like the detective he's partnered with i thought that was really interesting i was like mm, i kind of wonder like what's going on with her like there has to be some kind of like you know, spooky hocus pocus voodoo going on with her backstory, maybe like that's why she can resist it. And I don't know that just the idea of like the devil sitting on a couch and talking to a therapist, like I thought that was interesting. And you know, throughout the throughout the first episode, we see all these various moments where he can like bring forth the truth from people, like at the wedding, where this woman is like, "Oh, I do not want to sleep with this guy." And she's like, why did I say that? And I was like, oh, haha, that's, you know, cute, clever girl, you know. But, like, when he was talking to the therapist, uh, Dr. Martin, like, that was when I really, like, bought that idea. Like, I I bought their interaction. Like, I bought 
you know, that he was kind of like having this effect on her and like she was like, you know, she was kind of like squirming in her seat like, oh, he's bad and I want him, but like I shouldn't. Like, yeah, she's, she's really good, too. She's actually a good actress, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I bought that. And I was like, I like I kind of like the tension that's going on between them. And I, I like I don't know, just the idea of like the devil, like talking to a therapist sounds interesting. Like, is there. I mean, you've seen more of the series, obviously, but like, do they follow up on the idea of like Chloe resisting his powers and like, or like, are there more of like the devil like talking to a therapist? Um, actually, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers if it does, you know, actually entice you enough with these these mysteries or these these uh, plot lines. But the therapist is actually a uh, very much recurring character, or even I would say guest star. So she's there quite often. And as far as the Chloe thing, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know. The, the the relationship between her and Lucifer is much more than just she's my buddy cop and it does it does have stuff to do with him not just the fact that like you know he thinks that she's you know appealing and he wants to like you know try to bet her and he just can't for some reason so yeah there there's definitely something to it uh it, I, it is one of those shows where I think the pilot doesn't do it a lot of justice I think it's a pretty stock pilot as far as if you don't get involved with like, you know, the characters. So I could see that. I could see that. But I just I just love the guy who plays Lucifer so much, you know, bromance, whatever. I think Chloe's really good. I think Chloe's a great actress. She's very attractive. She's also smart. She's not a dumbass, which is also really good. And it, it might be the 80s thing. I did grow up in the 80s. So, I, you know, maybe I kind of missed that whole like, you know, uh, a Wall Street vibe that Lucifer has, you know, because like at the beginning, he is very much, you know, Gordon Gecko as far as like, you know, I'm going to fuck whoever I want. I'm going to have all the money because I'm already rich and fuck the world. I'm the devil, you know, and that 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 appealed to me because I knew there was going to do something with it because you just can't have the guy be a straight up dick. He has to have some progression. And I was I was like you, I was curious to see how he would progress. And yeah, the therapist scenes are hilarious, and they they are actually really well written, and they 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 have more of those as the series goes along. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying about maybe it was not the best pilot. I mean, you know, I I love Star Trek: The Next Generation, but Encounter at Farpoint <laughs> right. really like set my pants on fire. Like it's not that great, you know. So like, you know, maybe maybe I should sit down and watch more of the episodes because like like I said, I. I came back to it with a fresh mind. I'm still like, eh, kind of iffy. But you know, like I said, there are like little, little nuggets in it that I'm kind of curious about to see where they go. Cool. I'm like, may- maybe I can offer more of a, uh, a moderate take on the whole thing. Like, I I was interested in it because I I knew well both the properties really, but that I I knew they were based on, or or adapted from you know, comic book source material. So that put them on my radar. I think, like Justin, I watched the leaked pilot. And then I, I, I've i seen the pilot probably like three or four times now. Like, I, I watched the leaked pilot that had the original actor who was playing Chloe's, you know, estranged husband or whatever. It's like in that pilot, it was Nicholas Gonzalez. But then when you when you watch the pilot, when it finally got shown on actual network television, it was the guy who played Brother Blood from Arrow. His name's Kevin Alejandro. And so, like, you, you can tell in those scenes, like, I, I, I don't know, it, it's always funny to me to look at those, especially when you've seen the original pilot and it was kind of shot semi-normally, but then when they, like, digitally insert him and, like, everything is, like, super fuzzy focus, like, in his frame, you know, just so he can fit in seamlessly, it always kind of like through me or whatever but but like i mean it's kind of incredible that they can do that and I, I i don't know if there's any rationale or reasoning behind the change in casting other than maybe you know schedules or something like i i have no idea but i, I gotta be honest like i i don't know that it that that, that his recasting would have it didn't make or break the pilot for me do you know what i mean like obviously you know you guys have made frequent mention of tom ellis who's the actor who plays lucifer and obviously he's very charismatic he's very charming even if he does have maybe some some questionable 
dialogue he usually makes it work for him and everything and and so you know that aspect of it he, he uh, he's a pretty strong lead and and i could see why tony would get engrossed by the show i watched the, of the first season i think i stuck with it cuz cuz of a few reasons the the pilot of course and and most of the series is strictly speaking set in LA. They probably shoot some of it in Canada and some of it in LA or something like that, but it is one of those shows that kind of makes me reminiscent for when I was living in Los Angeles and you can tell from a lot of the landmarks and everything when they're actually on location, you know, actually shooting in LA. Uh as far as like the wedding that goes on in it where it, it was filmed at Wayfarer's Chapel and I just know that because I've been there before. So, like, I've been to a wedding there. It's kind of like this outdoorsy kind of, you know, the, the the windows. You know, it's like this kind of, I guess I'd call it, like, kind of a new agey church or something. Like, it's not, it's not very traditional, but it's obviously very surrounded by nature and it's appealing in that way. And so when they had that sequence and the different locations that you recognize, like there was that appeal to me of, oh, I've been there. I know that place. Like, that's cool. That kind of it, it had a built in reminiscence for me. Uh, the other thing that I'd say that drew me in was I've I've always liked the actress Annalyn McCord, and she's the one who plays the kind of uh, crazy pop star girl who gets shot in the opener of oh, okay. the piece and everything like she she was one of the leads on the 90210 reboot and everything and i've always thought she was a very pretty girl and everything like that and so when i saw her in it it was like oh cool like i i was like i like her you know of course she gets shot and i was like oh that sucks but i could kind of understand lucifer morningstar's motivation to assist her because i was just kind of like well yeah i'd do the same thing you know like i like her she's cool you know and everything even if she is kind of this bent out of shape like pop star you know that has tons of baggage and tons of problems it's like i was kind like, of like, britney spears yeah yeah like one of those things but i was like oh but but she's hot like she's she's cool <laughs> you know like like I, I get it you know and and so there was that aspect to it as well I guess I, I'm kind of curious because I, I I don't know like how much I know Justin said he's familiar with with Lucifer Morningstar mainly from like the Sandman comics and everything and I've read some Sandman and and I've never read the I think it's what like Mike Carey wrote like the ongoing Lucifer series or whatever I think I looked at like a mini series that that Neil Gaiman wrote or something just to get a you know a base idea before the pilot was leaked of like what the comic book was like versus what this television series was like. I mean, I, I kind of remember him being like this very, like he, he was usually in like a all white suit and he had blonde hair and you got the idea like, Oh, he's a fallen angel. Like he kind of looks like an angel would per se. But in this, I mean, they, they kind of go a little more towards maybe baseline expectations, you know, like he's dressed in all black, he's got dark hair, he, you know, has the the kind of devil eyes occasionally and everything, and, and, and in some sequences when he, you know, quote-unquote punishes people, he almost has that, you know, no-skin Hellraiser look, you know, where it's almost like a muscle and sinews and that kind of thing, you know, so, so there, it, it's not quite what I was... You know, like, in other words, if I was looking towards the, the comic book as what to expect, it, you know, I guess if you were being a traditionalist or a purist, you know, it, it's not quite what you'd expect in terms of uh, a strict faithful adaptation. I mean, the the only other character I really recognize from the comics is the his assistant Maze, who's also from Hell, and, and in this, she's kind of like this you know, bartender slash, you know, I don't know, his confidant and that kind of thing. And kind I think of it's, hard, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I think in the in the comics, like she's actually like she looks more kind of like um I don't know, like I'm I'm trying to think of it like with a court of owls mask or a spirited away mask. Like I if I'm remembering right, like she's got some kind of mask, like Phantom of the Opera type mask that like covers some of her face and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that that's fairly different than, 
you know, what, what I guess we see in, in the pilot and everything. But, you know, like I said, just from a moderate kind of point of view, it's like, I think, I think my dad got into this and, and, and we both kind of watched it and stuff like that. And I watched maybe like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like I, I stuck with it for four or five episodes and then, and then I just kind of lost track of it. And then I think the other thing that drew me back into it was once the second season started up, we had, um, six from, uh, Battlestar Galactica show up as Lucifer's mom. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? And so I think I watched that and that got me watching it again for maybe a couple episodes. And then again, I sort of lost track of it again. And I think maybe the reason why, and this is something we've discussed frequently, is I, I think in an age, in an era of binge-watching television, like, I I don't think this is binge-watchable. Like, I don't think it's a bad show. Like, I think it's probably a pretty decent show, but kind of like Justin said, it's it's a little 80s where it, it it's it's formulaic and it, it, it kind of follows its formula well, and and it's entertaining, but I, I think week after week, I mean, essentially, like, and and I I'd, I'd attribute this to iZombie too, and not not to bury the lead or anything, but I kind of set it up front at the beginning. I mean, I think these are really both police procedural shows disguised as supernatural shows, yeah, like comic book shows or 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 zombie shows or you know the, the kind of a. a you know, supernatural, you know, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, kind of like the whole, you know, heaven, hell aspect of supernatural, I guess, type thing. I mean, it, it is an interesting aspect, you know, what Justin was talking about with the the devil seeing a psychiatrist, like that kind of thing. And like, it kind of reminds me also of that aspect to, and again, you know, maybe referencing the TV show Supernatural, you know, the whole thing of like Booger on Supernatural is God. You know, like, like that whole vibe of like, you know, like, like you, you, you go with like an off kilter casting choice. Like, I mean, t to me, I always thought it was funny too, because I went to school at a Catholic university. One of the guys I was friends with wrote a one act play and the twist was supposed to be like, oh, it, you know, I was like kind of dressed up sort of gangsterish and come in and have this conversation with this other guy who's kind of dressed up nicely, but kind of with, you know, more fancy clothes and all this other stuff. And then I think there was like a third guy who came in and, you know, it's like you you kind of get that there's this confrontation between me and and I call him son and all this other shit and by the end of it the twist is like oh well I'm god and he was lucifer and you know the third party I forget who the fuck it was supposed to be but you know that that was basically the twist and it was supposed to be like this thing of oh uh, it just looked like some dudes talking to each other but actually it's like you know our lord and savior you know like that kind of thing and like what a twist and and that that kind of notion and like there is that kind of aspect to this show where it's like he's just trying to be a dude having fun escaping his malaise as tony so wonderfully put it you know like like in los angeles just kind of living a, a kind of fast and carefree lifestyle but even that like it, it's funny cuz to him i think he thought that was going to be his escape but it wasn't because it seems like because of the, the, the nature of the show, the dictates of the show, that it has to be this police procedural every week. In reality, his true pleasure or passion is still the punishment of, of wrongdoers. So he's, he's kind of forced to, you know, go after these people that, that do wrong in Los Angeles under the auspices of this this police procedural thing, you know? And it's like, I, I, I think maybe, like, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but, you know, m maybe it would be more binge-watchable if there was more of a, a mythos aspect to it. And I know, I know there, you know, maybe I haven't seen enough of it to make that judgment call, but it, it seems like, you know, like Amenadiel and his whole arc and, you know, he's, he's an angel. And then, you know, I know without trying to spoil too much, he goes through some shit, you know? And it's like, it's like, I don't know if there's more of that in the series proper, you know, but, but maybe that's some <laughs> aspect to, for people to focus on, you know, like that kind of, you know, the, the mythos aspect of it, the, the more heaven and hell aspect versus the, 
the kind of like, oh, who's the criminal of the week? Like who, you know, who got jealous of who at, at face space and burned their face off or burned their balls off or what, you know, whatever crazy crime that they're, they're having them track down, you know, this week or whatever. I, I will say that like, uh, as far as the crime of the week, that is kind of a, uh, both these shows, like they, they do have the, the, the kind of villain of the week. But there is kind of an underlying storyline. There is things that do happen from week to week that do impact how things go forward with the the, the narrative. But I, I do understand what you guys are saying. I mean, there is that that concept that like, you know, Lucifer's chilling out in his bar. You know, Detective Chloe comes in and is like, Lucifer, we got a new perp. We got to go get. And, and, you know, Lucifer's like, oh, really, Detective? I don't know if I want to do it this week. I'm kind of drunk. And was, she's like, aren't you always drunk? It's like, eh, touche. You know, and then they, they go solve crime. Aminadil does play a bigger part. He he does have his arcs. And he, he, he becomes like, you know, I, I think one of the things I also like about this show is I, I have ranted and raved about how much I, I love, you know, the uh, the lead. But the, the the supporting cast is really good. I think Chloe is good. The psychiatrist, as Justin said, he really likes how she uh, played off Lucifer, and they they do have a progression as well. Um, even like uh, Chloe's uh, estranged ex husband or future ex husband, I, I can't remember if they're divorced yet or not. I think they are. You know, he plays a a part. You know, he plays different roles in the the show. Aminadil does. Uh, Mazakine or Maze, she she plays more of a role in certain episodes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think what the thing is is you know, like I, I've said this before, your mileage may vary on what you get into. I, I hate to say this because it makes it sound like <laughs> it's not as good as I think it is, but like you know, it is very is a very like Derek said, it may be procedural and it may be you know not binge worthy, which because I I watched this on Hulu. I watch it once a week when it comes out, and I, I, I see that fresh episode, and I remember what happened the week before, but I haven't watched it over and over and over again, like, you know, three or three or four in a row. It's just so well done for what it is. It may not be, like, groundbreaking television, but for me, you know, I'd rather watch a really formulaic show done well than a really good show that makes no sense. That's like why I didn't get into Battlestar Galactica. I know everybody loves Battlestar Galactica, the new one, sci-fi version, but I never got into it because it was it was really well done and it had like good writing, but damn, I got lost in it. So maybe formulaic is not always great as far as, you know, something new or something exciting, but if it's done well, it actually, you know, appeals to me with the characters and stuff. I, I would rather see formulaic done well than cutting edge done like crazy and then and, and, and confusingly <laughs> i think i think other people probably feel that way too because otherwise you you wouldn't be getting a a third season you know greenlit on this and i i i do remember having flashbacks of human target season two and trisha helfer was cast in an episode on that and i was thinking oh no like trisha helfer's in the second season of lucifer and i'm like it's on fox just like human target and i'm like oh does this does this portend like the end of lucifer after this season but it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going that way so so that's a definite plus i i just wanted to double check with justin like just in case i missed anything but like did the did lucifer's portrayal in this versus any kind of preconceived notions you had of the character in Sandman, did that color your perception of this pilot at all? Or or did it defy your expectations or anything? I don't think so. Like, it, it's been a while since I've actually sat down and read Sandman, but, like, what what I remember is, like, what, he, he looked like David Bowie or something in the, in the yeah, comics? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I don't think this is like a, a poor imitation or anything. Like I, I certainly don't hold that against the show or anything. Cause you know, I am, I am a big fan of like, you know, gaming and Sandman, but like, I, you know, like I said, the, the faults I have with the show, it's like, I, it's not anything with like writing or directing or anything. I just kind of think it, you know, like you guys are saying, it does feel a little formulaic sometimes, or at least the pilot did. No, I mean, I, I can I can understand and appreciate it. I mean, I, I understand why Tony gets into it, and I understand the charm and appeal to the show, but I, I also can understand how it's, it's one of those things like that Catch-22 of if it's easy to get into for anybody at any point in time it's also just as easy for somebody to tune out at any point at any time like you know like like i think i think it has 
both those you know it's something that it, it's like a pro and a con you know it's like it's like tony's like dude i can pick up an episode of lucifer whenever and not be lost and i'm like i can like totally like tune out of lucifer anytime i want and come back but i might not you know like kind of thing you know so it's like it, it kind of it's kind of something where it works for it and it works against it depending on your your audience i guess I will say as far as like, you know, um, I did introduce this to a coworker of mine. Uh, she is 25 years old, so she's younger than us. She binged watched it with her husband and she loves it. So it might also be an age thing. Maybe it is binge worthy if, you, if you're a certain age. But I mean, you know, me and me and Derek and Justin, you know, as far as pop culture, we've been around the block a couple of times. So like we, we, we have certain standards and, you know, as far as my standards go, I think it's not binge worthy, but I think it's, it's definitely weekly worthy. I think it's something that you should watch when it comes out because you will kind of like not forget the, the crime of the week will, will suck you in. And you got to understand, I do like law and order, which is so police procedural is fucking crazy. And it's much drier than Lucifer. Lucifer has that pop of comedy and, you know, like more uh, crazy, you know, out there kind of characters, you know, with Lucifer, I could be like totally into it when they're like, you know, this guy killed someone. But it's also because he may have ties to the underworld and then is being possessed by a demon or maybe not. Maybe he's just crazy. You know, I, I kind of like that little uh, wrench they throw into the police procedural, which I, I agree with Derek. It is police procedural, but it is different enough, you know, to where the formulaicness of it is not hampered. You know, it's like it's like they has this formula. They solve a crime. But there's also interesting enough things that where I'm like, oh, that's different. Oh, I like that. That that that's why I keep with the show. I, you know, it's just like you guys said. Sometimes you just latch onto things and you're just balls deep into them. Cool. Yeah. No, I I think that's a good place to to end the the Lucifer talk on. I think what we'll do is we'll just take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll we'll get into some some I Zombie specifics. So stay tuned. It's midnight. The podcasting hour. Hello, listeners. It's your friend, PJ Frightful. That's PJ, as in podcast jockey. And I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics. Those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The podcasting hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. We're back, guys. And as promised, we are going to go into the second half of our podcast tonight for Fanholes Fright Fest. We're going to be talking specifically about iZombie. And, of course, this was the other half of the Devil's Bargain that was made between Justin and Tony for this episode of Fanholes Fright Fest that uh, Tony was going to check out the pilot episode of iZombie. And again, somewhat similar to Lucifer, this is based on a, a DC Vertigo comic book. And, you know, I guess, you know, loosely adapted is, is, is you know, we'll, we'll emphasize the loosely. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, loosely adapted from from uh, the Mike Allred, uh, Chris Burnham Vertigo comic book series and everything. But yeah, uh, the, you know, I guess maybe Justin can go into like his his introduction to iZombie and then we can you know hear a little bit from Tony on his uh his first thoughts and impressions on the pilot episode so full confession I have never read even a single issue of the comic but I saw previews for this and I thought oh this looks kind of interesting you know like I I like zombie stuff. I like horror stuff, and something like this seemed right up my alley, so I gave it a try. The, the whole time I was watching the pilot, I was like, I know this actress, the actress uh, Rose McIver, who plays uh, Liv Moore. I was like, I know her from somewhere. So like, as soon as the episode ended, I went to IMDb, and I was like, oh, of course. 
She was the Yellow Ranger on Power Rangers RPM. So, like, that was bugging me. Like, I had, I had to get that out of the way, like, as soon as the first episode, like, ended. But, anyway, the setup for the series is uh, Liv Moore, she has her own, like, kind of, like, uh, I guess, like, you could say, like, she has a really nice and perfect life. She has a really nice job. She has a really, like, she has a nice, loving fiancé. And then one of her colleagues uh, is like, hey, you should, like, go to this party and cut back a little bit, you know, have some fun. So she goes, and this is, like, the event that, like, changes everything and sets the series in motion. Like, she's at this party, and these people start freaking out, and she gets scratched on her arm and then knocked overboard because she's on a boat. Well, she wakes up in a body bag, and she's like, holy crap. Basically, the series is zombies are real, and due to this scratch, Liv is now a zombie. But by eating brains, she will, as she puts it, not go full Romero. But as an interesting side effect of eating brains, she can recall the memories and sometimes even the talents of people that she's ate their brains of. Like in the first episode, you see she's ate the brain of this Romanian uh, prostitute. As the episode progresses, you can see that she's actually speaking Romanian. And she's like, wait a minute, what am I saying? I'm speaking Romanian? Like, that's weird. And you, she just keeps speaking Romanian. And that's kind of the... You know, she's the, also a klepto, too. <laughs> Yes, she like randomly starts stealing stuff, which is a trait of the prostitute's brain that she ate. Um, but that's basically the twist or the hook of every episode. It's like it is a, a police procedural. There is a dead body in every episode, and Liv will eat the brain of this person and try and solve the crime. And wackiness ensues because, you know, there's usually some, you know, little quirk. You know, it's like she may eat the brain of like, a 90-year-old man, and she's, like, suddenly grumpy, and she's telling kids to get off her lawn and all this other <laughs> shit. But, like, what what I thought was interesting is, like, I, I you know, I really love the show, and, like, I, you know, I watch these episodes as they come out, and then I don't ever watch them again. So I, I thought it was really interesting to kind of go back and watch the pilot again, because I hadn't seen it since it first aired, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, because so many things, like, hadn't happened yet. Like, you see Liv's uh, mother and her brother, and... They pop up occasionally, and it's it's like now it's just like wow, like yeah, I'd forgot she had a family because they aren't around uh, anymore, really. Yeah, they they kind of dropped that pretty quickly. But uh, but yeah, I I think it's a great show. Like I really like the I think the writing is really good. I think the acting from all the actors is really good too. It has uh, you know there are certainly scenes of horror, uh, especially like the season two finale where you have like this mass zombie outbreak at like a at a concert a rob thomas concert actually and so you have all these people like running around being torn apart brains eaten head smashed and then people come in and start shooting the place up we're just like whoa like this this went from you know kind of like a wacky quirky little comedy police procedural to like some walking dead shit but uh i'm gonna stop talking now so i'm gonna stop gushing like i kind of i'm curious as to what tony thought because he came into this as far as i know uh uh, I Zombie Virgin. Um, yeah. Uh, don't feel bad. You gush about I Zombie. I gush about Lucifer. It is totally, totally cool. Um, yeah. I, I have no idea about the comic. No idea about the show. I had heard about the show, and um, I heard it was fun, and it was like a good, good romp. But like Derek said, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and uh, sometimes you can't binge watch stuff. You can't just like pick up on stuff. And I, I already watch all the CW shows, and you know, that's that's already like three hours there a week. Uh, four hours if you decide to like get your head knocked in and watch Supergirl. Um, so I went into this totally as a virgin. I will totally say, first of all, one of the things I liked that I uh, was talking to uh, Derek and Justin about is uh, Mike Allred, who does the comic, which I didn't know. Um, he he's done some uh, artwork for the opening and some of the scene bumpers. Which I will say this about Lucifer: if you did not know there was a comic about Lucifer, you would be like, "Oh, there's a comic." iZombie does have that comic tie-in a little bit. Uh, like Derek said, I don't know. Like He knows more about the comic. I don't know if this follows closely to the actual comic. But they have little scene bumpers where it's like, you know, and then I woke up and it's like, you know, uh, a comic panel and then it goes to real life, which I thought that was kind of cool. That was kind of clever. I like that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, way of doing a, uh, a transition. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, Liv is adorable. You know, as the kids say today in the internet, she's adorbs and... The thing I like about her character is is after she becomes a zombie, she's very nihilistic. She she's kind of like Lucifer. She has like this malaise. She's just like I'm dead. Fuck it. 
And honestly, that may seem like it would be annoying, but what the hell would you do if you were dead, you know, or undead as she technically is? Right. Like, like, like I said, she's at the beginning of the series. She, she, you know, she has like this perfect life and, you know, I think it jumps like four or five months later. And then as a result of becoming a zombie, she's lost all that. Like she's lost her, her really great job and she's lost her fiance because she's afraid of scratching him or turning him into a zombie. Now she's just kind of, now she is a zombie, like in another sense of the word, it's just, you know, she's just kind of like, watching la- TV, yeah. she's letting, you know, life pass over her and she's just kind of like watching TV and she can't sleep at all. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think the actress, like she definitely like, they watch a lot of RPM. I didn't see some of it, but I don't know how she was in that show, but I would, I would, I would fathom a guess that she's much better in this because just the writing on that kind of show, you know, it's like, it's, it's a kid show. She's, she's still, she's still an adorbs. Yes. Ranger. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, one of the things I also like is uh, the, uh, the physical change. Cause like, she is just like an adorable girl, like in like the, uh, the first part of the uh, pilot, you know, for like, you know, 10 minutes or so, you know, not even 10 minutes, probably. She's like, you know, this blonde haired, you know, kind of stunner, you know, it's like, oh, damn, you know, like, look at her. And, you know, she turns into this bleach blonde with like sunken eyes because of makeup. Her eyes are, are beautiful and she's pale and everything. And she looks, you know, as attractive as a zombie can look. But at the same time, she does not look like she used to. You know, she she's she looks like she's kind of sick. You know, she does pull off the zombie look really well. Um, and I, I like that too. And, uh, as far as, you know, some of the, 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 one of the things I really like about both shows is the supporting cast. The, uh, she, she works as a mortician now because, well, you know, there's brains there and her, her colleague or her boss, actually, it, it's kind of funny because he not only figures out that she's a zombie before she like reveals it to him, uh, he is totally on board with it. He has no problem with her being a zombie. He's like, I want to cure you. You know, it's like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And like, you know, this is fascinating. He has like this Spock mindset, you know, he's like, this is interesting. You're a zombie. That's so cool. And, um, we also have, uh, oh, what's his name? It starts with a B. The, Clive, the Clive Babineau. Babineau, Babineau. Um, yeah, he's a detective who's new on the force. He's getting shit because he's new and he hasn't had his big collar very police procedural and um the way they explain Liv's ability to uh absorb memories and stuff is very simply the you know uh head mortician is just like oh she's psychic <laughs> and it's like okay whatever you know like he, he he's like i i think you're full of shit but as the uh, pilot goes along he starts to believe her because she is able to remember stuff she's able to do that and like He's like, okay, I guess, you know, my, my favorite thing is like at one point Liv has a, a moment of uh, remorse for giving up on her uh, relationship. And I got to say this. The only thing I didn't like about this is her, her fiance's name is Major. That's a fucking stupid name. Uh, well, it, if you notice, some of the names are kind of like punny. You know, her name is Liv Moore. Liv Moore on, yeah. And, her, you know, her ex-fiance's name is uh, Major Lily White. So last name. Okay. They're definitely having some fun with that. Okay, so he's the all American nice guy. Okay, I got you. Okay. Um, I didn't know I didn't know his last name. But um yeah, she takes off to like try to rekindle their like romance because she's like, I might be able to live, because like I said, the mortician says he wants to cure her. And uh uh <laughs> the detectives are sitting in this car and he's like, Man, I thought I had like a psychic partner. I was gonna call us like Cagney and Pasty. I'm like, that's fucking funny. That that's pretty fucking funny. He he's a really great character. Like he he has a lot of his own quirky moments. Like there's, there's a moment in a, another episode where you find out he is a huge Game of Thrones fan, and he's like, you know, he's talking about he's he's like giving you know George R. R. Martin shit about like not finishing the like the, the latest book, and there's <laughs> one scene where like he just starts like speaking Dothraki and he's dressed up and has like Carl Drago and whatnot. I'm just like that's <laughs> that's funny. As far as her family, she has a family and a roommate, right? The girl is her roommate, right? Yes, that is her roommate, Peyton. Okay, because they, they almost they almost have a sisterly vibe, and like I knew they mentioned it, but I was like, wait, is that her sister or her roommate? Okay, roommate. I don't know if their 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 story progresses, but Peyton seems like you know as you would be with someone who's just like fallen off the earth as far as their their uh, stability. 
she cares about, you know, Liv, but she's also like, you know, I mean, I hate to say this, but, you know, I'm sure Derek enjoyed this. It's very 90210. Let me in. Tell me what's wrong. You know, and it, the, the pilot doesn't have enough of that to see if they're ever going to, like, you know, get to a resolution or if she drops off to face the earth. But honestly, the family I don't miss because her mom was just like, you know, hey, be more, you know, be alive. And her brother was just like, she's here. Um <laughs> I think similar to the, or maybe this has more of a reason than the Lucifer casting change, but if I recall correctly, there was a much more prominent actress cast as Liv's mother, but I think once they they figured out that the mother and the brother weren't going to be as much of, you know, basically they were only going to be occasional guest stars instead of series regulars. I think the, the, whoever they cast previously was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm Audi 5000 or whatever and, and didn't want to, you know, bother with it or whatever. So, okay. I will say that like Justin with Lucifer, I don't know if I was totally engrossed because and I think this is kind of like the same thing with Lucifer. This is a very live-heavy episode because it has to be. And if you don't get into the story, it doesn't matter how strong the uh, lead is. Because, like I said, I think Liv, you know, is a great lead. She's she's snarky. She's you know cute as a button, and you know she she even pulls off the zombie stuff rather well. But you know, one of the things I did like is like on the boat. Spoiler, sorry, it's the pilot. If you haven't watched it, it's not going to ruin everything. She's accosted by this guy. And he's all like, you know, hey, baby, what's up? And she's like, you know, get away from me, creep, throws her drink at him. And it is revealed that later on, like during the attack, he's the one who scratches her. And he seems to be kind of like her and that he's a zombie, but he's also able to control himself because he, he, you know, he just like, you know, kind of rages out, which uh, Justin, I was going to say, that was kind of cool because apparently Liv can, can rage zombie. But if she could control it, she has like super strength and adrenaline out the ass which is kind of cool um but this guy like like i said it's the pilot you're going to see this in the first episode don't know where this storyline goes i assume he's like one of the big bads but he starts showing up in her memories and also he seems to have played a part in like you know another victim so that's why she remembers him as well so i I thought that was kind of cool i want to see where that goes um i also like like i said i like the detective uh, he's he's really like he's 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 the nice comedic point, and him and him and Liv actually have really good comedic chemistry, because he's he's the guy he's our state he's our straight man kind of. I know you said like Game of Thrones and stuff and like that, and he is funny, but like all the weird bullshit that's thrown at him, he's just like, all right, <laughs> you know, it's just like he's he's the guy who's like you know. I'm just going to deal with this because I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm just trying to solve murders and stuff. So um, I, I'm I'm kind of like you, Justin. I'm I'm interested in certain facets of this. Uh, I do want to see where, like, you know, the the progression of why Liv is a zombie, like how this guy scratched her, and like, you know, like what 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 the because because another interesting I, I will say about this also is the zombie outbreak is kind of like Resident Evil, not because it's a horrible movie like those, um, but because the outbreak of zombie stuff is not just the dead rising; it's because of a designer drug, and. For some reason, it makes you a zombie, I guess, which is interesting because they don't really explain it that much. They just say the name of it like Utopias or something like that or Utopian or something like that. And that's kind of cool. You know, it's like you take this drug. It gives you a, sh- a huge high, but you also become one of the undead, which is, you know, not a really good trade off. Uh, as far as a pilot, I think the pilot was a little bit stronger than Lucifer because it was a little bit more subdued. Lucifer is more over the top. But at the same time, I don't think while I like the supporting cast, I don't think they're as strong a supporting cast as Lucifer, who play off him really well. Like all of them play off him really well. I may like the detective, the mortician, the head mortician is okay, but I'm like, eh. And the the roommate, I really didn't give a shit about. And they didn't really do anything really big with Major, except for that he's a really nice guy. I assume all those plot lines have progression as the the show goes forward. Yeah, all all those characters go through. You know, a, a great deal of uh, physical and emotional turmoil by the by the third season. Like the, the you know the the guy who scratched Liv, and you see at the end of the pilot, like he he is very extremely important. And they do kind of get into the whole incident which caused the zombie outbreak. Like it, you know, it's kind of tied up into like this 
company that makes an energy drink, and there's kind of like Max Ranger. Kind of a, yes, there's like commentary on like you know marketing and getting a product out there, and then there, and then it's you know the Utopium with the Max Ranger. You kind of like get into this like seedy like drug dealing kind of aspect to it, and yeah, like all, all these characters like interact, and you know there's like there's drama and. They don't always get along, and then there's some back and forth between Liv and Major, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of like crazy, wacky things that I'm not going to spoil for you. Okay, so so like, would would you say like, as far as well, actually, Derek, you 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 gave the moderate standpoint earlier on uh, Lucifer, so I, I assume you have a moderate standpoint on this, or are you balls in on iZombie? Well, I I I guess as opposed to Lucifer, where I dabbled, you know, like I I I, I watched the pilot and the the second season premiere and stuck with it for a few episodes, but kind of lost track of it. I basically watched the first season of iZombie, which I think was, what, like 12 or 13 episodes or whatever? It was like a mid-season replacement. And then I, I think I think after that, I kind of dropped it like a hot potato. Like, I, there, there was the aspect to it that, I mean, again, despite all the zombie stuff, despite all the cutesy stuff and the will they won't they stuff and 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 that kind of aspect to it it is still again a police procedural type thing it's like her and babino doing the doing the deed it's not a whole hell of a lot like the comic other than maybe in name only and then the the whole brain eating thing kind of is similar. I think, I think in the comic, it's a little more like, you know how like, like ghosts sometimes show up and, and they want to have their lives set right. Like it's, it's a little more like that than just the comedy aspect to it. So I can see why that's more appealing in terms of television. I think, I think there's more of a, more of a Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibe in the comic book. Maybe that's why they tried to shy away from some of those aspects. Like, there there are, I guess, monster hunters in that comic book, and she falls in love with, like, one of them named Horatio, and they have a very kind of Angel Buffy vibe, but in reverse, where, like, you know, the the male is the Buffy character, and she is the the Angelus character, you know, because she is the the zombie, I guess, you know, even though they like one another and everything. There are, like, werewolves and vampires and ghosts and things in the iZombie comic book, and I think with this, it's it's very strictly, you know, there are zombies and there's some more zombies. But, I, I mean, as far as I could tell, like, within the parameters of the first season, they don't really extend that to, you know, maybe just to not confuse the audience or whatever, you know, they kind of stick within the parameters of, you know, the zombie world instead of trying to, you know, venture out into other kind of possibilities and stuff like that. Are you saying it's formulaic as well? (laughs) Yeah, I I, I do think it's formulaic as well. I mean, I mean, the the, the other thing I think that I, I think what ultimately turned me off without trying to spoil it too much is I I know we've had conversations before about the Flash Thompson Venom comic book and there's there's a lot of similar hand-wringing in this that I just I don't get you know it's like it's like you know one of those things where it's like okay in the comic she's a grave digger who is there so she can have access to brains and this she was like a former like you know, med med assistant, top, top surgeon candidate. You yeah, know, yeah. and 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 then she basically, you know, goes into the you know the crime morgue so she can have access to brains. You know, and and I'm kind of like, okay, well, those things all make sense, but there there is that undercurrent of you know, I, I mean, it's a little you know self serving type thing. You know, that the if you actually think about the scenario for like two seconds. And like I, I think it's funny to me that when when they come into these these moral conflicts, like there there's a lot of this hand wringing stuff, and and there's one particular sequence that just like Flash Thompson and Justin will know what I'm talking about without spoiling it too much for you, Tony, but that involves like sniping someone, and I was just kind of oh, like, yeah. and I was just kind of like, you know, like 
see to me like that was a big turnoff to me because basically the the ramifications of what happens with that i'm kind of like you deserve that girl like that's all on you so so i i think at that after that point it was hard for me to to kind of relate to uh to to the lead characters and also kind of take it in stride too like kind of how a lot of the stuff is played for for gags and laugh i i just thought he, that the character kind of deserved what they got and it was hard for me to to follow or you know relate to it's just one of those things it's just really tough because it's kind of like you know sometimes when you're like dude the lead character brought brought some of that on themselves you know like they they had an opportunity and they they decided not to do it and then i was just kind of like oh well you know like it's one of those things where it's kind of like you know oh you know how many times do you let negan get off the hook before you start to think rick's a dumb <laughs> fuck you know what i mean like that that kind of notion where you you're just like all right like i i can't you know like like some of those things i i often especially when i don't have a a, a super deep connection to the source material it it's easy for me to wash my hands clean of it like i i did read the comic book in anticipation of this like i, I it's about 28 issues so there's not a whole lot from them to pull from to begin with i so suppose it's already over is, yeah is, yeah is, that that series okay. has been done for a while now i i think i read maybe the equivalent of the first two trade paperbacks and stuff. I mean, you know, the the character's name is obviously not the same. Um, the the some of the characters, like yes, she has a brother, but he's way older. You know, like there's there's other characters, like I said, that become like werewolves and ghosts and and you know Frankenstein type characters and stuff. I mean, it's it's fun, it's quirky, it's kind of you know interesting in that regard i like mike allred's art so i mean that's always kind of cool but i mean as far as it linking up to the television series you know not not quite so much other than the whole cute girl is a zombie she eats brains and then kind of has these flashes and tries to make things right with you know if there's some kind of you know nefariousness with how that person met their end like she tries to make things right i mean there 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 seem to be more kind of interesting aspects in the comic and i don't know i i can't remember if they ever touched on this in the first season uh, and i i'm pretty sure they didn't and justin might be able to tell us if if it got touched on in the second or third seasons but there there seemed to be some aspect to it where the, the it's it's interesting because in the TV series, she knows who she is and who she was, right? But in the comic, it's almost like she has to sort of discover who she was, kind of like there, like she was missing certain memories. That's she has kind of like amnesia, kind of. Yeah, like she, 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 she had to sort of slowly discover, or, or, or she had that concern of if I don't eat enough brains, like I will forget everything, type situation and i think there was some kind of moral dilemma of do i eat i forget if it was like a grandma or a mom or something but it's like do i eat do i eat somebody's brains who could be a family member of mine like so i could help myself remember or do i not do that because that's weird you know like kind of thing like there, there were there were things like that and i i don't think any of that kind of stuff is ever touched on in the the television series i don't know you know i'm not saying that's like good or bad but it's just like one of those things where it's like it's just not it you know they, they kind of i guess decided early on that they were you know tv showrunners were going to make this show kind of their their own entity and they they took the basic you know kind of framework you know the kind of the the seeds but but the tree they made is you know a completely different type of tree from the tree that you know, Alred and, and uh, I think it was like Chris Burnham did or whatever. So I'm like, you know, that's, it's neither here nor there. All, all I can say about it is I, I, you know, for the most part, I, I, I find the acting enjoyable. I did enjoy the first season. I contemplated trying to catch up um, because I do have the first two seasons on Blu-ray. And I know that was a big sticking point with some people where, you know, they were not going to buy the series if it was just on DVD. And then shortly thereafter, it seemed like Warner made on demand, you know, announced due to overwhelming, you know, popular demand that they would offer 
iZombie on Blu-ray. So obviously it has, you know, a decent fan base. And I think that's true of Lucifer too, because I think if you go on Amazon now, you could probably find the first season on DVD. But I, I think, I don't know if it was WB or whoever made the, the Blu-ray for Lucifer, but I think it was a similar thing where it wasn't something that was just a given, you know, but it was due to... But it was it was due to popular demand for me, like at least in that regard, like I'm happy that there are those options. Um, I think when we talked about doing this, I, I did, like I said, kind of contemplate maybe I should catch up and watch some other seasons. And then I realized that iZombie season two was like a full season and went, oh, hell no. You know, like, just like 22 episodes. Like, I can't. No. I think the funniest thing about these two shows is how similar they are. They're both supernatural based. I mean, okay, yes, religion is is real to a lot of people. I understand that. And I understand that, like, you know, Satan is a real thing. But this version is very fictional. This is this is a this is not the Satan, you know. So that's why I say it's supernatural. And of course, a zombie is a zombie. <clears throat> and the thing about it is, is like they're both cop shows. And they're both snarky. They both have humor. And I think it really just boils down to what you like. And, you know, I, I could say fully, I'm kind of like Justin, as far as his take on Lucifer. I might watch some more iZombie. I might totally get into it. The pilot didn't wow me, but it didn't disappoint me. You know, it wasn't like, oh, this is shit. This is terrible. Why, why, why? This is, you know, this is forever night, for Christ's sakes. You know, I, I think it's one of those things is like you pick the show that you just like get into because it appeals to you in a certain way. And I think both these shows have that, they have that kind of cult following, you know, just like Derek with you with supernatural. But uh, if you like the show, I would suggest giving both a try that, that would be like, you know, my final word on that. But I, I know Justin would like to probably do the, do the hard sell I did with Lucifer. <laughs> this is my sell. I like it. It's fun. Go watch it. There you go. You heard him. Go watch it, fuckers. Do it. Do it now. Cool. Do All right. It. Well, I think I think this probably will wrap up the inaugural episode of Fan Holes Fright Fest for the proper show, which this is. So if you guys enjoyed listening to this episode, you can, of course, find us on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We have plenty of other spinoff shows that are going to be running the Fanholes Fright Fest 2 Electric Boogaloo headliner throughout this whole month. We've got Sentai Saturdays, Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays. We've got Comic Books Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, our comic book show. And we have Big in Japan, our show about Japanese anime. So, of course, we're on iTunes. We appreciate all the likes and feedback we get on social media like Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, spooktacularly signing off. This is Justin. I dig iZombie. Get it? I dig it. Get it? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> um, this is Tony, and no, really, tell me your real heart's desire. Mine's tacos. The spirit climbs my spine to the brain, following the railroad tracks down again. I needed space with soul, maybe we can die there, maybe we can stop.
talks like brains. Dinosaurus <laughs> needs brains. We can control what we watch. We can control our podcast, but we cannot control Dogosaurus. <laughs> Everybody dares me, Dorbs. <laughs> it's like me when I play with my cat. Fucking six three, like fucking ball headed, angry looking motherfucker. Like, hey, who's a cute kitty? Who's a cute kitty? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>